Hello. And recording. Hello, everybody. You can see our ugly mugs. I think we look pretty good. If I was to all hair considering. All hair considering. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Media Boat podcast on this lovely Wednesday afternoon. It is May 27th, 2020. We are still marooned. Yes, uh, but today is a special HBO Max day for some people. Yes, it's HBO Max day um, here on the Media Boat podcast. However, we don't have news about HBO Max because it is literally day one. So to hear more HBO Max uh, feedback, tune in next week where we'll be able to talk about some of the new stuff that I'm sure we will uh, watch over the course of this week. So bear with us. We don't have reactions. I have like immediate reactions that maybe I'll talk about briefly in TV thoughts. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, we'll keep, we'll shelve all the talk for the new shows till next week. But uh, this week, we have a whole bunch of other stuff we got to talk about. So let's roll right into it. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. We are Media Boat Podcast, talking all things media with movies, TV, music, and video games in that order because How I dare like you. that order. How dare you? I like that it, order. And let's start at the beginning here. Order. I've got uh, some trivia to get to here. We still always start with movies, and we are starting directly into the movie news because of course there is no box office and we always even though it's hbo max day we always have news about netflix we haven't had for the last two weeks that's true we've taken a little bit of a break but they're back with the vengeance because they're sponsoring some festivals they will continue to sponsor festivals despite festivals may or may not happening so yeah they are still providing sponsorship for some major festivals in 2020. But of course, they're not sending any of their films or talent to attend them. Among the titles that this removes from the festival circuit are David Fincher's Mank, starring Gary Oldman and Amanda Seyfried, Ron Howard's Hillbilly Elegy, starring Amy Adams, Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things, starring Tony Collette and Jesse Plemons. So some of these festivals include the Telluride, Venice, Toronto, and New York festivals, which are primary launching fans for Oscar season movies, and are considered the first and essential stops to not only brand films as awards-worthy, but also to allow critics and media to get the word out. Festival directors are very unhappy about this development, and not only for themselves, They worry that the smaller regional festivals in the award season ecosystem are even in worse shape. And this brings up an excellent point that most people don't consider, that festivals are usually where people first hear about these Oscar-named movies and usually get the buzz out. But if there are no festivals, how are you going to do that? Articles? Yeah, I mean, they pretty much have um, to rely on reporting. Like meet the, the they have to rely on media, social media, or just short traditional media to kind of get their word out, and they might have to get in bed with these streaming networks. I'm really curious now more than ever how the Sundance Festival did for Amazon, what their numbers were. Yeah, because that could be a huge indicating factor on these streaming platforms. 
because at this point, the only way to see get audiences to see your movie is to stream it. Period. Right. You're not going to go to a festival. You're, you're not unless you're going to send out DVDs to every single person. <laughs> Which I'd like to see them try, but not going to work out. It's how the DVDs make a comeback. Yeah, yeah. This is this is what how it happens. Yeah. Other than that, you do it uh, through streaming. Yep. Yep. You know, I my hot box million dollar idea that I just literally came up with. Okay. That you stream them individually, like a movie theater where you have set times where you air them and you give people a login code to watch it. Mm-hmm. You pay for a ticket mm-hmm. and then you stream it for there, a set time. There are artists doing this for streaming concerts. Uh, that exact model. Right. Why can't we do this for streaming videos? That's a good point. And that could make it more like appointment viewing. Uh, and it could, yeah, and it adds another revenue source. Right. And it also feels, you know, even though you're at home, like you're going to a theater, like you're paying for an experience, which yeah. some of these movies kind of venture themselves as, as an experience. So I don't feel like I'm going on a limb here saying this, but I'm sure other people have had this idea. <laughs> I'm sure this has come, come across in Zoom meetings between uh, executives already. And right, and I bet the first thing call. is, how do you prevent someone from pirating it if they can yeah. just take record on their screen and that's gonna copy be and then put it directly on YouTube or somewhere? Yeah, that's the problem. And I don't know if they have necessarily a resolution for that quite yet. Well, like I said, that's my hot take million dollar idea, immediate workaround for this thing. (laughs) The hottest of takes. The hottest of takes. Well, we'll see what they do. Uh, We'll keep an eye out on festival performance and to see because Oscar season looking like the weirdest season in our lifetimes. Well, yeah, I mean, they already loosened the rules that they will allow streaming for the first time. Golden Globe also loosened its rules for the same thing. It's going to be a weird take this year. A weird, weird year. Unless, you know, what, Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> and your Pro best picture. Tour? Sonic the Hedgehog still going in strong to 2020. Bloodshot starring Vin Diesel. Yes, mm-hmm. that's going to that's gonna be it. Or that Eddie Redmayne movie I saw an ad for yesterday for Amazon. <laughs> that's going to be in the running. All right, let's move on. Because Eddie Redmayne. A producer that has uh, more than uh, a few uh, times with experience with uh, the Academy Awards, of course, is Frank Marshall. The famous producer has worked with Steven Spielberg and many others. The producer has spilled the beans on the upcoming Indiana Jones 5, which is still happening and currently scheduled to be released by Disney in 2022. As previously reported, Steven Spielberg was originally set to direct, but has since stepped away to allow James Mangold, who directed Logan, to take over directorial duties. This will be the first time anyone other than Spielberg has directed an Indiana Jones film. However, as it usually goes with stories about Indy 5, there's still no solid script, so don't expect production to begin anytime soon. 
Uh, Frank Marshall is also looking at restarting the Bourne franchise again. That would be the third time uh, with a different creative team. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he tries to restart the Indiana Jones franchise the same way with a different take with a different director. Yeah. Because I can easily see that kind of franchise going in the Mission Impossible route where it's globetrotting. It's basically Uncharted the movie. And you can have different directors do different things. (laughs) But, uh, yeah... uh... I think that at this point you almost have to reboot or do something different with Indy just because I feel like we're still, even though we're 10 years out, we're, I feel like we're still in that era where there's some bad, bad taste left in people's mouths after Crystal Skull. And I think, yeah, as much as they would want to pick that story up and have Shia LaBeouf Indy, you can't do Shia LaBeouf Indy anymore. No, you can't do that. Oh, I think out. that People sailed. will see that as an epilogue now, just yeah. an end cap throwaway that you can have or not. You but do, restarting yeah. it is probably a better idea. You do a completely new story, completely new indie, completely new director, completely new venue. You just do the whole thing over again. Yep. But that means you also get some new hot actor to play Indiana Jones. All right, cast him. Give me, give me an indie. Uh, Alden Ehrich. Ehrich. Okay. The guy who played Solo. Yeah. Okay. So you basically do double Harrison Ford. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, he worked as Harrison, young Harrison Ford here. Put him in here. Well, why not? Um, other than that, you could go with Tom Holland, but he's currently doing Uncharted with Mark Wahlberg for right, Sony. Yeah. He's, he's already going to be that character, essentially. What about right. Ansel El- Elgort? What's he doing? Uh, yes. Yes. I like that idea. What's he doing? Um, Kingsman, whatever the third one is. <laughs> right. I mean, not right now. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, speaking of Kingsman, I saw someone try to advocate Mark Strong for the next pro- Professor X. Okay. And I really liked that idea. Okay. All right. Follow. Okay. Let's move on. Because there are no movies to talk about. We didn't see any movies this week. Uh, no movies on yeah no technically movies i saw a documentary but that's in tv yeah we'll get there uh i yeah i didn't see any uh movies from 2020 i did see some old ass movies though um the last week uh between podcasts uh i was looking at the criterion collection not to sign up but i was looking at or the criterion channel sorry their streaming service mm-hmm. and i saw that they have a bunch of double features things where it's like built in like i just want to watch these two movies back to back and it got me thinking about what would be good double features so i did my own double feature over the weekend i wanted two music themed movies about like bands okay so i watched that thing you do and scott pilgrim i had a feeling one of those could be scott pilgrim (laughs) i was like this is the best idea i've ever had (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was great. That thing you do was still good. With Tom realize, Hanks? I didn't realize that thing came out in 1996. 96? 96. No. Yeah. It's, wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Where'd the time go? 
I know. I mean, I knew it was old, but that's also like older than I would have put it. That's 1996 Liv Tyler in that movie. Uh, oh, speaking of 1996 Liv Tyler, I watched Armageddon <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> you did what on Sunday? What? Watched Armageddon on Sunday. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Armageddon on HBO Max, by the way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's 1998 Liv Tyler. There's a couple more here. Uh, you're closer. Anyway. It's still the introduction of Ben Affleck. So, so that's, 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 that was my movie experience this week. Let's move on because we have a lot of television stuff to talk about. And we start with the sports corner. And sports happened this past weekend. Sports happened. Uh, Peyton Manning and Tiger yes. Woods yes. beat Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady at golf. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> Tell me about it. Um, well, watched it was part of like the 5.6 million viewers who tuned in to watch it. Uh-huh. Uh, Peyton and Tiger took an early lead about like a, around hole three and never let go. But it was really exciting to watch and really fun because they were basically trash talking each other. And Phil Mickelson kept walking out and giving Tom Brady pointers like, oh, here, you should do this and this. Like, hit it here and hit it this hard. And sure yeah. enough, he did. It was like, boom. Like, oh my God, he's just basically coaching him on the fly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, but Tom Brady basically stole the day, though, as he hit a 150-yard eagle shot, birdie shot? Eagle, eagle shot. Damn. Yeah. Just chipped it up and in to the cup. It was like hole six. It was right after Charles Barkley was talking shit on him. So he like, hey, watch this, and just chipped it in. And then he went to pick it up and ripped his pants. <laughs> Man, are there animated GIFs out there on the internet of Tom Brady's yes. pants? Yes. Oh, hell yeah. Look it up. Look it up on YouTube. It's great. I'm going to look it up later after this podcast. That sounds great. Yeah, but the whole thing was a fun event. I don't know. It's funny because after this aired, and we were watching ESPN, and they started talking – about how Lamar Jackson and uh, Patrick Mahomes should be the next Brady Manning duo who compete okay. against each other. Yeah. And they start talking in terms of, well, maybe we'll see them play golf in, in like the next 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because of the 20, 20. Right. They're basically 20 right now. Yeah. <laughs> 25. We'll, we'll see. All right. In other sports, we have. Our first league news, uh, first basically news coming out of one of the major leagues that had stopped uh, play and are uh, planning to resume play. And the winner is not baseball like we thought it was going to be. No, it's hockey. The NHL has announced their regular season is just done. Basically all games played up until now, that is the record. Yep, that's your record. It's done. No more regular season. And they will now make preparations for a 2014 playoff structure with the remaining seven teams entering a draft lottery. So basically, they will. So if I'm understanding this right, they're seeding it based on record, but these seven teams that don't qualify, I guess, will just be like, I don't know, put them willy nilly. Uh, they're basically just out of it, but yeah. they're give, at least giving the teams who were in somewhat of a fighting chance a chance the ability to continue playing. Okay, so uh, that means that so the Kings, Kings and Ducks are out <laughs> and a part of the draft lottery. <laughs> yeah, so, I was gonna say, so your Kings, you won't, 
You won't be seeing him play, but... And neither will I see the Ducks play, so that's also a good point. And also my understanding about this is that similar to what we were talking about with baseball, they are planning to play them in two city hubs. Correct. Yeah. Uh, They're currently looking at eight city hubs, uh, six of which the states have already opened. And basically the cities are saying sports are part of their phase three opening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's weird that base, that hockey's getting in front of even the NBA. Yeah, and I'm MLB. Super surprised uh, because it's. I feel like because they don't have as much of a cultural pressure, they maybe had more time, kind of under the radar, to figure all of this stuff out. Well, I think also because they're not considered the big three, either football, baseball, basketball. Part of what I'm saying, exactly. That they're less inclined to have major broadcasting deals. That's part of probably part of it too. Because that's the bit one of the big things that's and also the money. Like hockey players get paid less. It's just a lower multi-million dollar. I mean, there are multi-million dollar contracts, but it's for like what five players per team compared to like 10 to 20. Yeah. Like I don't, sorry, my, my charger fell out. Um, I don't like, yeah, I don't want to say anything like not to say anything bad about hockey, but yeah, you're right. It's smaller potatoes compared to the other major leagues. So there's not as much writing on it. Right. And that's the big thing that's holding up the MLB right now. Um, There's a great uh, video I saw on YouTube from Pat McAfee, former Colts punter. Uh, who basically explained that... I love his antivirus. Yes. I know you went. Uh, that basically explained that like, if you get a million dollars, they're already prorated for half, which is 500000 but they want to prorate it again because of a lack of TV deals and yeah. sponsorship, that they want to split revenue because they're losing sales of like jerseys and hats and basically ticketing revenue, merchandising... Concession yeah. stands. I bought my hat already. I don't need to buy another one. Right. That because they're losing out more, that they want to play the the players less. Yeah. While still playing like eighty two games, and when you have players that you know only have like a certain amount of games left on like end of their contracts, it's doesn't really seem fair or you know right that oh I'm supposed to be play paid this much, but you want me to be paid less i know it's weird to like talk about like millionaire contracts yeah in a time like this like the actual money that's flying around here it's crazy that we're even paying them that much in the first place but if i've learned anything over the last week nothing makes sense in baseball so (laughs) i'm surprised honestly that it like i'm not surprised i guess is what i should say that this is taking this long to figure out all of this because there's so many moving parts. There's so many people involved on the production side, on the team side, on the league side. There's no way that they could have immediately come up with a solution because everything, the mechanism of baseball is so much more complicated. This requires hundreds of people to figure out. Right. And it's not just simply, Hey, everyone show up here, play a game. Yeah. There's, teams behind the teams that play the game right and you know they have to practice and stretch and cool down and trainers yeah. and fans you know, need to see it fans, they need to figure out how to broadcasting get to see it. right there's a whole 
not just like singling out baseball, but right. any like of these big sporting like mechanisms are. I think, yeah, I think this is going to prove to a lot of people how complicated sports is, like mm-hmm. how crazy of an operation it is every year, year over year that we do this as right. a society and nobody ever questions it. But there is one sport out there that is continues to put at least something on TV. Yes, let's talk about NASCAR. It's <laughs> happening. You're still watching it. Anything interesting happen over the Currently last watching it. There's NASCAR on Wednesdays. Uh, we had NASCAR last Wednesday. NASCAR or Korean baseball. That's all you got right now. We had uh, NASCAR this past Sunday, the Coke 600, uh, which was a complete asinine ending. <laughs> uh, Chase Elliott should have won. He was in the lead. And then his teammate decided to bust a tire on like the third lap with like three laps to go during overtime and chase Elliott's crew chief tells him to pit because they're running on bad tires. And by pitting, he let Brad Kozlowski come out and win and couldn't catch up back up to him. And it's just overall asinine ending to what was otherwise a pretty good race. Oh, Oh, well, but Hey, that's sports shit happens. It's true. Yeah. Uh, And then I think, I heard that Chase like went out the next day and won by like two laps or something <laughs> crazy. But yeah, he has, he has revenge on his mind going into today. So we'll see that race is happening at five o'clock today. It's not five o'clock yet, but somehow during our recording, it will happen. All right. Well, I guess you can look forward to that. Anything else in sports before we move on to television? News? Uh, no, just if you're expecting baseball to happen anytime soon, I mean, they're looking at a July start, but... They're still leaning towards July, but it's looking less and less likely until they figure this stuff out. Yeah, until the players actually sign something saying that they'll agree to play for this much pay. Yeah. Then we may be looking at a possible lockout. And then... Or possibly just a wash of a season. Just, nope, nothing happened here. Yeah, just a big... In the record books, just like 2020, just blank. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to it. All right, let's talk about television news. All right, what? Uh, give me some good news. Uh, well, I have some, I guess, good news if you're John Krasinski and you run some good news, his uh, internet show that he started over the quarantine. Because he has made a deal with Viacom CBS following a massive bidding war for his series, Some Good News. CBS All Access will have the first window for the new episodes before they move to a number of the company's linear networks. So they're going to put him on streaming first until they can figure out how to broadcast him. While Krasinski will continue to be involved as executive producer of the show, he will not be the host. A new host will be named at a later date. In two months, Krasinski produced eight episodes on a weekly basis to his YouTube channel, they collected 2.5 million subscribers and 17 million views. They went viral regularly. They initially rejected offers to sell the show, but instead took on corporate sponsors with giveaways. Uh, but I guess uh, this was too lucrative for him to say no. Uh, the money was too big, I'm assuming. And he just realized, hey, I could uh, like never have to worry about anything ever again if I took this deal. And so he took it. On his last episode, he noted that he would be taking a break from the current incarnation of the show, and he thanked viewers 
for the inspiration because I think that last part is very important to note. This was all based on stuff outside of things that John Krasinski had control of. He was just reporting. None of this was things he actually did. He literally put a, a handwritten sign behind him and said stuff at you for a while. He sold that, that concept, for millions of dollars. Hmm. I, I don't know about other people who read news to you through YouTube on a weekly basis for more than saying, eight weeks. I'm just saying, if we were John Krasinski, if we had a name like John Krasinski, that was us. That could have been know, us. If we both had faces like John Krasinski, we'd probably do a lot more too. <laughs> that could have been us. <laughs> we could have sold our pilot to millions of dollars. That could be media boat podcast on CBS All Access until they figured out how to put us on some sort of deep cable. I mean, we've talked about Netflix once a week for like years yeah. on end, so at least once a month. Come on. Come on, guys. Right here. We can do better. <laughs> we yeah. are consistent, if nothing else. If nothing else. We are cons- incredible. We're not like John Krasinski, where he's just going to stop after eight episodes. Like, oh, well, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. We haven't stopped after 220-something, so... Let's check it. Five years. <laughs> anyway. Season five here. So, yeah. That pissed off a lot of people, including me, when, I, when we all saw that news. Yep. It's like, come on. Like, dude, you, you had a nice little thing going that was like li- really little rent and charming. You didn't have to go and sell it. Well, now he doesn't have to actually like try and look for some good news. He can have other people do it. Or, you know, he could have had other people do it for him and yeah. still paid them because he's John Krasinski and I'm sure he still gets that office checks. Or, or is it the Jack Ryan checks? <laughs> or is it the, uh, uh, what's the movie? Upcoming Marvel movie checks. <laughs> no, the the the, no, the movie the, isn't he the guy? He's the Quiet Place guy, right? Yes, he's directing yeah. the Quiet Place. Is this well. just because? Did he do this just because of all the money he lost on the Quiet, the second Quiet Place movie? Possibly, <laughs> Quiet Place Part Two. Yeah, no, you know where where he worked with his wife. That thing came and went, man. That thing wasn't released. Was it not released? No, it was supposed to be in uh, March. That's end of March, awesome. and then got pushed. And then I remember us talking about it coming soon, but I don't remember us ever saying it came out. That makes sense. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's another one of those films that got pushed and then delayed. Well, our second story takes us from CBS All Access to another streaming service. Again, I realize it's HBO Max Day, but Disney Plus is still a thing, man. Now, this is some actual good news. This is some actual good news. Uh, Long time coming. Those of you, including me, who have been watching The Simpsons on Disney Plus, of course, have been struggling with the widescreen format of the episodes that have been uploaded. Well... Classic episodes of the show can finally be seen in their original aspect ratio on Disney Plus beginning May 28th. Al Wait, Jean, let me check my calendar here. That's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Yes. Uh, producer Al Jean made the announcement as part of the D- Disney hashtag streaming day stunt event. The entire catalog has been available to stream, but only in an updated widescreen format. I want to note this affects episodes uh, uh, seasons 1 through 19. Or 1 through 18, I think. I think yeah. season 19 is where they start being HD widescreen by default. Uh, but seasons 1 through 18, I believe, are the four or three seasons. Um, 
So yeah, all those will now have their jokes and characters properly framed and not cut out. So there you go. If you've been watching The Simpsons, you will now see it in its native resolution. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool good news there. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm excited for that. This, like we said, as we've been saying, this is something that should have been oh, yeah. easily handled from day one, considering they got it from FX, who, when they had it, ran it on their streaming service. Yeah, they had it in three, three, four. It's there, just, so. why did it take this long? Who knows? But no excuses. Hey, at least they can try and undercut HBO Max numbers by saying, hey, come watch The Simpsons the yeah. way you want to watch it. All right. Speaking of, what have we been watching this week? We've actually have quite a few things, or you have quite a few things on this list. Let's go through them. Some quick hits here. All right. Quick hits here. Uh, let's start with the first one. I briefly mentioned it at the top in movies because mm-hmm. it's a documentary that premiered on FX called AKA Jane Roe. Okay. Uh, should be noted, um, as we reported on here a couple of years ago, that Jane Roe, or the lady who is Jane Roe, uh, McNamara, uh, had passed away last year, two years ago. Well, as part of her basically deathbed confession, she started filming a documentary about her life and struggles starting in 2016, not knowing how much time she had left. And in it, it basically just went through her entire life and the whole process and how her stance in the Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade trial and then subsequent, you know, flip-flopping on it and how the whole media discourse on that basically took that as, oh, well, even if she was wrong, then everyone must be wrong. And basically attacked and used her and... It's served as her deathbed confession. It's two hours on FX. I'm not entirely sure how or why FX got this. Yeah, I don't know. Because like something like of this magnitude and importance feels like it should like it should be sold to like HBO. Yeah, I would imagine HBO or like you Netflix think- or you know something bigger than FX. Uh, who's producing it? Is there a talent that's associated typically with FX? I saw the director's name. I didn't look it up. I mean, that would be it a might... guess that I would have. And then the other guess I would have would be maybe they just outbid him. Hard to see them outbidding. But when I was watching the final product, I can see why other studios would pass on it. Because if they sold it as a final product, it is really shortcoming and definitely skews to one side. If That might play some politics into it where someone like HBO or Netflix would be like, uh, we don't want to touch this. Yeah. This is still a hot topic. Whereas FX is like, oh, yeah. FX sure. has an audience that, that, yeah, they have a very specific audience by now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also they have an audience that really, that they'll put something on there. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but definitely something that you should check out. I mean, I was fascinated by it. Okay. At least after, in the second half of it. It takes some while to get into because it's a documentary. Yeah. It's like, okay, like I've heard of this. I know about this. Nothing that you're currently showing me is new or inciting. Yeah. And then when it flips the second half, uh, the second hour of it, it's like, okay, now I'm, now I'm really invested in this. Okay. Well, cool. yeah, something, something new, something to check out. It, I think it being on FX is a good reason why it's not getting kind of the public discourse because some of the 
the ending is real emotional and impactful. But that being said, I'm not like it's been three, four days since it's been released, and I've seen like maybe one post about it. Yeah, social media. It's it's hard. Oh, there's so much to watch right now. It's hard for one thing to break as easily as it can sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not everything's going to have the push behind it like The Last Dance. Right. Yeah. All right. What else? You have some Netflix stuffs on here. Uh, yeah. So I uh, decided to watch some Netflix before we get to the Fox stuff. Um, I decided to catch up on the incredible, uh, sorry, unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt um choose your own adventure kimmy versus the reverend yeah so the series itself has been over for a year or so now and this is like a spinoff that they did to show off the interactive stuff again yes okay but at the same time you know write a whole bunch of jokes for alternate scenarios and stuff like that yeah. um it's fine yeah <laughs> But at the same time, like, I got through one ending, and then it's like, oh, you served one problem, but not the other. Why don't you try yeah. going back in, solving everyone's problems? I'm like, no, I'm good. You're like, I'll pass. I solved the A plot. The yeah. A plot is all I really cared about. I didn't really care about the B or C plot, so it's like, uh, eh. I got my A plot that I wanted. I don't need to get, like, true ending status on this. Yeah, no. <laughs> Not particularly. No, unlike Bandersnatch, where I went through every single ending because you know that's part of the experience. Yeah. Uh, but I also watched on Netflix the new Patton Oswalt, a surprise Patton Oswalt comedy special. You love a surprise Patton Oswalt. I love a surprise Patton Oswalt, and I also learned that my wife also loves a surprise Patton <laughs> Oswalt. Good. That's good to know. Yes. Uh, as I turned his comedy special on, uh, I Love Everything on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And in the background, she kind of like stopped and turned like, oh, this guy's pretty funny. Yeah. I like him. I was like, yeah, because he's yeah. Patton Oswalt. He's pretty great. You've heard his voice before. Just not in human form. <laughs> <laughs> he's been a rat. Yes, you can say that he's been a rat. <laughs> a dirty, dirty cooking rat. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, it's Basically, yeah, I love Patton Oswalt, one of my favorite comedians. I love a surprise Patton Oswalt in TV when he pops up randomly or I'm watching a cartoon and it's like, oh, that's his voice. Okay. Surprise Patton Oswalt. Yeah. Uh, but I love his comedy. This is a great comedy special. Um, I definitely say tune in. He covers pretty much everything. Uh, food, diet, age, wife. Mm-hmm love loss and a great denny's bit where you arrive at denny's oh, sorry you end up at denny's nobody yeah. goes to denny's no one goes to denny's you show up at denny's yeah he uses that line and it's yeah. great so definitely <laughs> check it out you end up at denny's it's you true. end up at denny's In my life this has been proven um yeah no i, I might check this out i like i like Patton oswald and it's been a while since i had a good i think the last like good stand-up special I remember really enjoying was that last uh, John Mulaney special from last year. So you know, I'm ready. You put out a new one, the Lunchbox Kids or whatever. Yeah, I watched that with Christy. Christy got a kick out of that one. Oh, yeah. Really loves it. So, yeah, no, we're, we're up to date. So, yeah, <laughs> I'll have to check out Pat Oswalt. I like him, too. 
Yeah, definitely a fun time, especially if you like Patton Oswalt. And hey, even if you don't like Patton Oswalt, it's yeah. still a pretty fun time. Yeah. All right, moving on. All right, and uh, moving on to, I guess, the last thing on Netflix that I watched and you also watched, The Big Flower Fight. Yeah, so I don't know how far you're into this. We're only three episodes in. Okay, yeah, I'm three episodes in as well. So, yeah, this is charming as hell. It's like, from what I understand, it's the production team behind the Great British Bake Off. It's very British, yes. And it's very <laughs> British. It's got British hosts. The majority of the uh, competitors are European, but there are some Americans. Um, and yeah, it's basically like, you know, the kind of stuff they do on like, I'm, I'm not explaining this to you because you've seen it, but I'm explaining this to the, the viewers. Um, it's like the stuff that you'd see at the um, floats that you see at the uh, Rose Parade. Uh, Rose Parade. It's like that. Basically like make a sculpture, I guess you, uh, if you will, uh, with flowers and grasses and plants, basically. Yeah, it's kind of like the Rose Parade, except Rose Parade uses a lot more seeds. Yeah, less painting. seeds flowers. But... Yeah, this is more flowers and moss and growing stuff. But that's basically... The actual like, living sculpture instead of like, here, we're going to put this thing together for a week. Yeah. And then it'll die. So yeah, like, and uh, basically, so it's from people who are like, there's some gardeners, there's some florists, there's some like artists. They pit all of them against each other, basically. And then the judges basically de- determine whether or not it met their requirements for whatever the challenge was. Just mm-hmm. like any partic- like similar reality show like this, like your Project Runways, like your Lego Masters. It's especially interesting watching this after Lego Masters because I feel like the- there's some sim- weird similarities between the two. Yeah. Um, structure-wise. But yeah, we're-, we're having a blast watching it. I've been watching it together with Christy. And uh, we're, we're picking our favorites. We really like the, um, the florist team, the, the two Americans, where it's the older lady and the slightly younger lady. Mm-hmm. Like, we really like them. Uh, she's in awe of the, the freaking outfits on those two British guys. Oh, with the top hats the and the mustaches. Dyed <laughs> hair. And I don't know, he was like a pirate or something <laughs> in the last episode. Stingpunk pirate or something. Yeah. So yeah, like we've been having a lot of fun watching all the different personalities and yeah. the crazy flower stuff they make. Yeah, I'm glad you're having a fun time watching it. Oh, do you hate it? Oh, I hate it. Why do you hate it? It's so fun. I couldn't get into it. They're talking flowers, which I'm not interested in. Yeah. I'm interested in the end result of the sculptures. Sure, yeah, they look cool. Yeah. I don't really care about the design of it all. Uh, how they put I it like- all together. Plus, they don't throw in a twist, or it's like, oh, you're doing this now. Now we want you to add this certain flower or incorporate this certain design yeah. into it. I'm kind of glad they don't. It's very straightforward. It's yeah. here's what you need to do. You have 20 hours to make it happen. I think it, that would ruin the simplicity of it. I think it's very simple on purpose. I mean, yeah, I get, I get that it's simple, but it's just something about it just not grasping me to the point where I was like, uh, let me just fast forward and then just see the end results. But, yeah, it's, I don't know why it's just not grasping me like other competitions. Maybe it's just like the dry British or the fact that the 
one of the hosts or judges always, always, always does a fake out. Yeah. And it's really annoying. <laughs> I think it's funny. It's not even, I mean, if you see the fake out coming, it's not really a fake out. <laughs> uh, well, I'll stick with it. Um, I'll, I'll talk about when it wraps up. We're, it's only eight episodes. We're already on three, so I'll, we'll finish it. And uh, yeah, I'll report back if you don't necessarily keep going. Um, and uh, well, lastly on Netflix, before we move over to the Fox stuff, um, watching Avatar again. Because yeah, it's on Netflix. It's, it's and basically in, everyone seems to be watching Avatar now. Playing in this house as well. Uh, Malia's watching it. So yeah. Um, everybody's into it. It's there if you want it, I guess. Yep. It's there. Uh, but onto actual like broadcasting shows. Stuff happened on TV. All right. Uh, well, okay. Ultimate tag. Let's go there first. Is this just tag? It's American Gladiator tag. Okay. Um, there are professional taggers who have gimmicks like Banshee or the Geek or Whirlwind or something. And Atomic Ant, I think, is one of them too. <laughs> and their job is to basically tag or, you know, it's pull the flag. It's not tag. I can't tag. Okay. It's rip the flag off the players. Um, as the three guys go up against the three girls in their own separate competition. So there's one guy winner, one girl winner. Um, and they basically just run up and tag. tag. You know, they, they have an obstacle courses set up. Um, it does require a lot of like agility and ninja warrior type parkour stuff to evade. But yeah. they all get tagged at some point because you can't outrun them, outrun them forever. All I can say is get ready because there's just going to be nothing but shows like this. Nothing but games. In the next two years because nothing scripted can be made. Wipeout is going to make a comeback. Yeah, we're going to see so much of this shit. Yep, I mean, holy moly is going to be like the thing. We'll we'll get back to it when we talk about cancellations and renewals, but there are some networks that seem to be betting the farm on game shows right now and canceling all of their scripted shows. Well, they're cheap to make. Oh, quickly, speaking of game shows, um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Titan Games also premiered again for its second season. Luckily, all those were filled back in September. Good. Good to know. So I think that whole series is completed, but it is still weird to see. This brand new show, yeah, filled with audience, <laughs> right? That we can't, yeah, we can't do now. This is all filmed before, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Uh, speaking well, of things that were filmed before all this yes. happened, The Masked Singer. All right. So I heard from you. You texted me <laughs> when the results happened. So yes. I know what happened, but. If you care to elaborate. So, mass Singer. Celebrities wear masks and perform. Mm-hmm. All these performances get put on YouTube. All, sure. Some of these performances even go viral. Sure. I, on a regular, watch YouTube and this show and check Twitter. For the past four, at least four weeks, they have talked about nothing but one performer. Uh-huh. The Turtle. 
The turtle. The turtle is always trending on social media. Tur- who, always, everyone's trying to guess who the turtle is. And it's always hashtag turtle, hashtag mass singer. I just see it everywhere. With, Everybody loves the turtle. Everybody loves the turtle. When the turtle's not there, other characters are asking, hey, where's the turtle? Yes. So you stand a reason that turtle is the clear favorite and uh-huh. turtle should win. Well, turtle does win the hearts and minds of everyone watching. Yeah, the turtle But loses. not the competition. Turtle loses. Uh, Turtlegate as it got dubbed real briefly after it premiered. Other thing that I was like, done, like, Turtle Done Dirty was another one. Uh, lost. Came in second place. Uh-huh. Um, well, first of all, there was a third place who was, I also need to bring this up because he kept referring to him as the first rapper to make it this far. Completely ignoring the fact that T-Pain won in season one. And they don't consider him a rapper, I guess. Guess not. Guess not. Uh, but um, yeah, so that was little Bow Wow. I guess Bow Wow. Bow Wow. He's not little. Anymore. He's not little anymore. But oh. when I first heard him singing, I immediately guessed. Wait, that's just Bow Wow. That sounds like Bow Wow. I was discussing this with Christy. So we, she came up with a theory that I, I want to run by you to see whether you agree with this. I probably agree about with it. the difference between like. Rappers that have kept the Lil and rappers who have not kept the Lil. Like Lil John. Yeah. So so yeah, you have Lil John and Lil Wayne who are not Lil. No, but you also have Lil Kim. And yet, uh, yeah, who are also not Lil, have all kept the Lil name. And yet, Romeo and Bow Wow notably have both dropped the Lil. So I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Her theory was, it's a height thing. It's an actual size thing. She says that once you graduate to a certain height, you can no longer be little. See, I think it's... It is height. No, my theory is the reinvention theory, that because Lil Bow Wow and Lil Romeo came out as rappers Mm -hmm. when they were really young, they don't want to be associated with their kid persona. I mean, yes. That's why they drop it. That's the real reason, but that's no fun, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, that because they grew up and grew reached up. a certain height. He's saying that so Lil Wayne was never a Lil when he was called Lil Wayne. So he was just, so basically she's saying that he because of that he never had to graduate to remove the Lil. He's always Lil. <laughs> yeah. Well, are you gonna call him Big Wayne? The rapper formerly known as Lil Wayne. Just Wayne. He just Wayne. Just Wayne. Yeah. Then you just open yourself up to a bunch of dick jokes. He already. I'm sure he already has. I'm pretty sure he already has too. <laughs> Lil Wayne is not already a dick joke. Lil John is not already a dick joke. <laughs> yeah, it's right there. Also, Lil Lil John. I mean, you kind of can't be John. Also, I'm pretty sure the Lil John is a is a Robin Hood reference. Probably. I, I would. Be, I'll right? put money on that. That's a reference. Because he's not. He wouldn't just call himself Lil John. <laughs> like Little John is already a thing. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. But anyways, yeah. Well, uh, Bow Wow was the third, and yeah, yeah, there's some Twitter stuff like, oh. Like, but the turtle lost, and people are pissed. Who ended up being the turtle? Um, my boy Roxas. Yes, Roxas himself. Roxas himself, Jesse McCartney. Jesse McCartney, yes. Uh, was the turtle. 
Vitero. Who people were guessing like three weeks ago on the internet. Like, uh, that's him. That's him. Yeah. And then, uh, but your winner for The Masked Singer is Candy Burris, yes. who I think won because The Masked Singer had not had a female winner yet. And so the yeah. producer were like, we need a female winner. They were quick to point that out. Everyone was quick to point that out. Also, a be- probably a better, more traditional singer, maybe? Probably, yeah. So, to a certain audience, that may be more appealing. Yeah, but still, you give it to the better singer, not... You don't play politics with stuff like that, but hey... I'm not a producer on a reality Not a producer. Show. Yeah, I can't tell you. Can't right. tell you what to do, but at the same time... But yeah, you, you know. that's been your kick. Your 2020 kick has been producer pull in reality shows and all of a sudden it's like your hill to die on <laughs> i've noticed this this year you've never had a problem with this previous years of doing this media about podcast i've never all looked sudden, at it that hard enough before yeah, all of a sudden this is an issue for you your eyes have been opened and you're like producers have pull on these things and i'm like yeah of course they do well, I, I always knew they did but i always like to play blind but when it becomes like totally obvious and blatant always happened it's always been that way i know it's always been that way that's why philip phillips won american idol don't remind me and then he sang home and they gave him another song to philip phillips yeah the band with two first names yes he's so nice named it twice (laughs) exactly all right we need to keep talking you also have something down here called labor of love what is this yes so this is my new reality trash tv i'm watching okay good we have more producer pull on this one i'm sure I'm probably. all right so there is a lady as there it's about uh, babies it is about babies it's about okay. fatherhood she all wants right. to get married and have a kid by the end of the year right. so the producers i'm just gonna that's because yeah. of course they did yes brought in the most like well good looking men like these half of them are CEOs of some company, of their own company. And basically, for one reason or another, are single and are now trying to woo a girl to bang and get pregnant by the end of the year. And believe get married as well. So it's the batch it's the bachelorette, but with an extra step. Yes, but they don't pull any punches as immediately within five minutes of meeting all these contestants. Mm-hmm. They pull a sperm count. Oh boy! They they give them a little white cup, set up a van, tell them to go do their business. Do their business, yep. Mm-hmm. And then they made the results. Yep. And they're like, "Yeah, you're like you all have healthy swimmers, but one of you has one more healthy swimmer, and they give them a trophy for it. <laughs> it is shaped like a big sperm too. Oh, I bet. <laughs> is this what is this on Netflix? No, no, this is on Fox, so it's a weekly... Oh, Jesus, this is network television? Yeah. This is a weekly trash TV. Not since uh, um, Joe Millionaire. (laughs) (laughs) You've seen the likes of this. Uh, Jesus. Okay, well, that sounds like... Uh, But yeah, in their um, season preview package, they're going to have them, like, doing daddy stuff and, like, daddy competitions, but all at the same time trying to woo the girl to keep them in and while at the same time living in a house of just guys and not trying to be a complete jackass because there are cameras everywhere (laughs) yeah although there was one guy who night one 
got compl- just kept pounding the alcohol, got completely trashed, literally puking. Wow. And then one guy completely forgot the girl's name. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Starting off to a good, good. Uh, oh, like I said, they, they chose excellence for these guys. Clearly, yes. Clearly. Yeah, but like I said, also trash TV. So I'll be watching that over this summer. Fun. Yep. All right. Anything else before we move on? I don't believe so. We have to move on. Yeah. We don't have time to talk about the YouTube three hours of YouTube TV we watched this week. <laughs> as badly as I want to talk about it, we cannot talk about it. It is not technically television. Moving uh, on. Well, it is SB Nation. Yeah. Which is part ESPN. But you're saying that we need to move on, so... I know you want to talk about it, though. Man, I could talk about this thing, but let's keep going. Right. Let's go cancellations and renewals. All right, what am I no longer watching? Well, ABC is making sure you're not watching anything because they have canceled not one, not two, but four of their shows. Bless This Mess, canceled after three seasons. The Emergence, canceled after one season. Schooled, canceled after three seasons. And Single Parents, you called it, Canceled after two seasons. I think you gave you were generous. That you weren't that generous. You only gave them one, but canceled I, after two. I gave Emergence one season and called that one on the dot. Call that one, but single parents you missed by a season. Yeah, but but yeah, uh, that's the chopping block over on ABC. But the good news is the other networks are making up for it by doing some renewals. Adult Swim. In the news this week for two reasons. One, three busy Debras renewed for a second season. And they did the unthinkable. A show that I liked on Netflix that got the axe is coming back. I thought it was on Amazon. No, Tuca and Birdie was a Netflix show. Oh, I'm thinking of the other one, the, the Bojack Horseman one. That is the Bojack Horseman one. Yeah, I thought that was on Amazon. No, that, you're thinking of a third show. I might be thinking of a third show. Amazon, that was an Amazon thing by some of the same people. But Tuca and Birdie, which I enormously enjoyed its first season on Netflix, which got ceremonious, unceremoniously axed over on Netflix, Adult Swim is picking it up for at least one more season. It won't air until 2021, though. Um, but when it, uh, when it does, I am so excited for that show to come back. I know you put this in like one of your top five shows. Oh, yeah, this was on my top five last year. Mm-hmm. Easily. And uh, yeah, I'm so excited to see it come back next year. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, on Fox, they're bringing back Prodigal Son for a second season. And FX is bringing back a couple of their uh, big hits, or a few, actually a handful of their big hits. Uh, what We Do in the Shadows is currently enjoying a second season. We'll get a third. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It becomes now the longest-running live-action comedy in history by number of seasons, specifically, by being renewed for a 15th season. The show won't die, and yet it's probably one of the most consistent shows out there. There you go. Better Things, also coming back for a fifth season. The Weekly, coming back for a second season. Cake, for a third season. And Mr. In-Between, for a third season as well. So if you're on FX, you're coming back. Uh, FX is, you know, not one to for game shows or, you know, quick no. stuff. So, hey. They're double downing. On double downing. Scripted stuff. I guess this means that they don't need to look at any new shows. Yep. 
And uh, yeah, they probably, yeah, was basically like, well, we don't have anything in the pipeline. So here, everybody, everybody keep coming back. Um, there are no deaths. Which uh, no notable deaths. Straight into music. And I hand it over to you. Yep. I'm going to start music with the billboard. I'm going to start the billboard with the Hot 100. What's hot this week? All right. Your number one song is Savage by Megan the Stallion. Stallion. But really, it's Beyonce. At number two, Say So by Doja Cat. But really, it's Mickey, Nicki Minaj. <laughs> At number three, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Number four, Rockstar by The Baby. But really, it's featuring Roddy Rich, so that's why. <laughs> <laughs> and at number five, Two Z Slide by Drake. Yeah. But really, it's Drake. <laughs> really, it's by Drake. <laughs> Turns out. Uh, yeah. As for your uh, your album's chart, your Billboard 200, yes. your new number one, High Off Life by Future. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, The Goat by Polo. Polo G. Polo G. Yeah. I thought that was part of the three. Nope. Uh, at number three, My Turn by Lil Baby. <laughs> at number four, Dark Lane Demo Tapes by Drake. And number five, Blame It On Baby by The Baby. Yeah. A lot of babies this week again. All the babies. Baby, baby, baby. Baby fever. Baby fever. Yeah. Well, if we don't like any of those albums, we have some new releases. In 18 years, do you think we'll call this generation of babies the quarantines? Probably, yeah. Anyways. Anyways, new releases. (laughs) Uh, We have Future Teenage Cave Artists by Deerhoof. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, Flamagra by Flying Lotus Wild World by Kip Moore Italian Ice by Nicole Atkins I love Italian Ice, it's delicious Gemini by Noah Reed Project Regeneration by Static X and lastly the album we're all going to be listening to this weekend or at least I know what you're listening to this weekend (laughs) Chromatica by Lady Gaga. Yes, after that big delay, it finally will be out and we'll finally be done talking about, oh, is this going to be the comeback album? Because it looks like it probably will be the comeback album. Um, This week, this past week, this isn't in news this week, but uh, Rain On Me, a new single from the record uh, featuring Ariana Grande was released along with a video. And yeah, it's good. Yeah. I watched that video. I thought it was pretty trippy, but at the same time, really, really well done. Yeah, so Gaga's two for two, single-wise, so looking good for Chromatica. That's that's pretty much my take, so we'll see. Yep. We'll see next week. And you're doing put out your singles. It's kind of an indication of what the album is, so hey. Hey, tell uh, that to Taylor Swift, good. because that doesn't seem to be the case for her. <laughs> everything's looking good for her. All right, let's get into some music news. And we boring start, ass stories this week. <laughs> we start with some boring ass stories with the Warner Music Group, as they announced today that it has launched the initial public offering of seventy million shares of its Class A common stock, pursuant to a registration statement on Form S-1 filed 
with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. This is something we knew was going to happen. It's something yep. we reported on, yep. and it's finally happening. Finally happening. The initial the initial public offering price is expected to be twenty be between twenty three dollars and twenty six dollars per share, which values the company at get this thirteen point three billion dollars. The offering consists entirely of secondary shares to be sold by Access and certain related selling stockholders. The company, which is owned entirely by Len Blatvinick's Access Industries, first announced initial, its initiation to launch an IPO back in February and shortly after, officially on March 2nd. Which you know then delayed it when you know this pandemic took effect in the U.S. and Europe. Access originally purchased Warren back in 2011 for 3.3 billion dollars yeah. and turned that into a 10 billion dollar profit. So yeah, uh, needless to say, all that legal jargon is just means that they're going public and they'll be on the market and yeah, uh, probably will be good for them. Also, congratulations to our uh, good friend's little sister, who is an an- is, works in analytics at this company, and uh, is probably very happy with this news. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if she was offered shares initially, like when she hit like her hundred yeah, day mark, wonder, and then because I know she's risen some ranks there pretty quickly, so yes. I wonder if she's high enough up yet where this actually might make her extremely rich. <laughs> I mean, I also know that she's a part of like an insider, like text chain for marketing or not marketing for stock exchange. So yeah, I would some other friends that we have. So I would not be surprised at all if this was uh, something that made her very excited. Oh, I'm sure it did. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, anyways, uh, twenty three dollars to twenty six dollars per share. Okay, that's. That's about right. I think Facebook opened at 80 and then immediately dropped to 40 where it was supposed to be valued. Yeah. But it has since risen to like 116 or whatever. So, So, hey, it's good offering. At $23, that's a good offering. Yeah. All right. But this is about a music-related podcast, though. Yes. So let's talk about some music and an artist, one that you liked. Well, so, okay, I want to give a heads up about this story. This was the biggest music story all week, which goes to show you how slow of a week this was. All right. Well, the biggest music story this week has to deal with Lana Del Rey. Yes. Well, capping an online controversy that has played out over the past few days, Lana Del Rey dropped a new spoken word piece titled Patent Leather Do-Over featuring music by Jack Antonoff late on Saturday. The singer sparked attention with a forcefully worded Thursday post in which she wrote she was being accused by critics of glamorizing abuse. Huge quotes here. (laughs) And held to a different standard than fellow female artists like, as we mentioned here on the uh, Billboard 100, Doja Cat, Camila Cabello, Ariana Grande, Cardi B, Kalani, Nicki Minaj, and Beyonce, who have had a number of, who quote, uh, this is Lana Del Rey quoting here, have had number ones 
with songs about being sexy, wearing no clothes, effing, cheating, etc. Uh, she also followed that up with, uh, sorry, in a follow-up post, uh, the singer said the new piece would appear on, quote, Behind the Iron Gates, Insights from an Institution, the second of two spoken word LPs she has recorded, and which she says is due in March. Which March? Uh, the singer previously announced her first spoken word album, Violet Bent Backwards Over the Grass, uh, as well as a follow-up to her Grammy-nominated album, Norman Effing Rockwell, which features extensive collaboration with the aforementioned Jack Antonoff. Okay, so a couple things to note here. The other thing that's not in this story, and I don't know why it wasn't in this, this story I pulled, she also announced her new actual new record like not spoken word uh which she plans on releasing sometime early next year um that thing is also has also has a name released all these ridiculous lana del rey names uh this one will be called ken trails over the country club yeah that's that's really gonna make me tune into that one so, okay, so the real story here was not all the announcements, weirdly enough. Instead, the internet came with the controversy, and, like, that was the focus of the week. So that initial, uh, initial statement that she made about her competitors. Let me ask you a question. Is there something that all of those artists that she pointed out have in common? They've all had number one hits? There's something else. Um... They're all sexual objects? No. No. There's something else that they all have in common that Lana Del Rey does not have in common with them. Songs on the number one Billboard chart. No. (laughs) So the internet was very quick to realize that she had only called out women of color. Oh, see, I didn't want to go there, but... (laughs) The internet did. The internet did. And so basically people were very quick to point out that like, yeah, like, although she does have some sort of point in there that she has this weird like thing that, oh, her music is viewed differently because it's from a perspective of somebody who is maybe not necessarily like what you refer to as a strong woman in like the, you know, cliche parlance. You know, like basically she wrote this whole thing about oh, well, I talk about, like, being in complicated relationships with abusers. I'm not talking about, like, kicking ass. I'm talking about, like, being in situations of a complex, delicate nature is basically the argument she was making. You mean much like Taylor Swift did with her song, Delicate? Kind of, in a way. Um, Except Taylor, wisely, never got into a conversation like this. Lana, however went straight forward into it. And thus, people were very quick to point out, hey, like, why are you trying to differentiate between these artists of color who are extremely successful right now and you? Why are you even trying to make the comparison? And so she went basically into defensive mode and has, to this date, to this recording, uh, posted not two not even three, but four different defenses of this original post on Instagram, saying all sorts of wacky stuff about it, basically saying, um, 
even comparing herself to the artist FKA Twigs and basically saying like, oh, when she was um, a, a, like basically shown as um, a stripper, like people were like, oh, this is art. And if I say that I stripped, then I'm like criticized for it and all this stuff. So my opinion- Should, should we throw, should we bring out Miley Cyrus on a wrecking ball? So yeah, exactly. Like, so my take on all of this is, Lana, sure, you kind of do have a point that there maybe is like a little bit of a double standard with the women that we like talk about as these strong, very influential women and, that are making these artistic statements. And maybe the women who are like telling stories about these more complex relationships that remain like with these kind of things that are maybe not the one that we celebrate as much. But it is not doing your point a service by pointing out nothing but women of color. She could have pointed out men, for example, that have been traditionally upheld for addressing very similar issues, like the obvious comparison to Lana Del Rey, which is Kanye West. We could very easily be having this conversation about Kanye and how he wrote song after song about like these complex relationships he's had. Drake, another perfect example of this. Lana is actually writing a lot of the same kind of things that they are. The reason why though, that I feel like Lana gets criticized for it, yes, is because she is a woman. So that's the angle she should have gone to. Not the angle of all these extremely successful women of color are talking about these other subjects. No, they're not talking about that because that's not their lived experience. It's, I don't know, it's, it's complex issue. The internet is going crazy on this thing. I get where Lana's coming from, but man, every time she makes another defense, though, it's digging deep, the hole is digging deeper because she's still not realizing the reason why people are upset. And she's doubling down over and over again. That's my take. I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird one. It seems weird in general. But hey, it gives us something to talk about. I, I, want, I wanted to have special guest Christy on today because I wanted to have a, a female perspective on this. It was somebody else, from somebody else who was following this, but she declined. So. Oh. But she did give me a quote to pass on, which was, ugh, is what she had to say about all of this. I, th- I think it, that quote should be read as, ugh. Yeah, it was kind of like that. Anyway. Anyways, uh, now move on. Now we can move on to some thoughts. And you listened to not one, but two albums. Did I? At least that's what's written down here. Yes, I did. Let's start with the fun one. Which one do you want me to say is the fun one? (laughs) The surprise. So last between uh, recording last week and recording this week, we had a surprise album drop by none other than Media Boat Podcast favorite Carly Rae Jepsen. Yes, uh, much like her previous album, Emotions, she decided to drive a side B for her latest album, Dedicated. Yeah, so she, of course, is nothing but prolific in her current era of recording. And so she had a bunch of songs that she was just sitting on that she had recorded during the dedication sessions. And so she said, hey, hell, why not? Why the hell not? Like, people are home, not doing anything. Let's give them a present. So she dropped, I believe this was her same reasoning for releasing Emotion Side B. Yes. 
but hell, no one's everyone's at home. No one's listening to anything. Let me release yeah. it. Why not? So yeah, whether or not this was the original planned release date of this thing, I have a strong suspicion that it probably wasn't. Um, but uh, even if it wasn't, hey, this was a gr- perfect time for it to come out. Um, it's pretty good. Um, I don't know if you've listened to this yet. Uh, I tried to listen to it in passing. Uh, it didn't. I, I need to actually like listen to it because when I did listen to it, it or like I just saw side B and just assumed, oh, this isn't much like the other side B or emotion oh. side B where I liked it, but I can see why these were considered side B songs. It's slightly different though this time because whereas emotion side B was more of an EP, it was only about like six or seven songs. Mm-hmm. This is a full collection of 12 songs. Um, I do want to say an asterisk because two of those songs are basically two different production takes on the same song, um, which makes it really, maybe there's really only 11 songs here. Uh, but I think the overall package is way stronger uh, because of the quantity and I think the quality. Um, I think that this might even be better than Dedicated. That's my hot take. That's a hot take that the, the sequel is better than the original. I think it might be. There, it's, not as, it's not as cohesive. Like it's not doing one thing really. It's trying all sorts of different things. But I think there are higher highs here. The opening song especially, uh, which of course is a, you guess it, Jack Antonoff production is spectacular. And uh, he shows up again later uh, credited under his bleachers uh, name, basically his band. Um, and so, yeah, like uh, it tries all sorts of different things. I think it really, really works. I think there are some bangers on this thing. Like I said, the weird moment is, is that there are two songs back to back that are the same song, but different production. And so that's going to probably confuse some people. Uh, but other than that, it's a fun collection that I think, yeah, it adds to the ever growing collection of great Carly Rae Jepsen songs. So I recommend it. If you've ever liked Carly stuff, uh, give this a listen because there's some there's some highlights here. Nice. And so you also listen to a second album. I'll probably listen to this Carly album. Yeah, you should. Uh, what you shouldn't listen to <laughs> is all an hour and 40 minutes of this freaking 1975 record. All right. What's wrong with it? It's too long. So yeah, I talked about the 1975 on this podcast before. And basically everything that I said last time applies here is that I have no idea what they're going for. It's like there's synth pop songs, there's acoustic songs, there's songs where they're talking about like just hanging out with each other. There's songs talking about relationships. There's songs talking about technology. This record literally begins with a a lecture from... um, Greta Thunberg, the uh, cultural right, activist. The activist. Yes, the climate activist, where she just basically uh, spends a good like two minutes lecturing you on what you should do about global warming. And that just sets the tone for the whole thing. It's like, all right, all right, this is going to be a slog. And it was a slog. I'm not saying that though those things aren't important. And then, yes, we should listen to her and, yeah, et cetera. Obviously, Obviously, I'm for that. But man, holy cow, it just goes on forever. And the record goes on forever. And there's interludes. There's, there's like musical interludes going on here. 
it's just a lot. And I will say the same thing I said last time we talked about a um, uh, 1975 record, which is I think I might be too old for the 1975. <laughs> I don't get what they're trying to do. Although then I read that the, like, the main dude, also named Matt, fun fact, um, is 31. And then I'm just like, well, who, who the hell knows anymore? I don't know. So he's not even anywhere near 1975 then. <laughs> Nor is he a Zoomer, which is what I thought listened the audience for the 1975. So who the hell knew knows what's going on here? I feel like every time somebody's obsessed with the 1975 that I'm just not getting something. Because there are people that I respect a lot that really love them. And I don't know. There's still a disconnect. I don't know what they're going for. It's not for me. That's my take. All right. Well, I guess we're going to skip that album then. Yeah. Let's move on. All right. Let's move on to video games. As we wrap this thing up, we have new releases. New. First up, Bioshock, colon, The Collection. You've had it. You bought it on PS3. You bought it on Xbox 360. You bought it on Steam. You bought it on Epic. You bought it everywhere except the Switch because now Mm -hmm. you can buy it on the Switch. Yeah. What else can you buy on the Switch this week from 2K Games? You can also buy Borderlands Legacy (laughs) Collection for the Switch. That's Borderlands 1 Game of the Year Edition and the handsome collection versions of Borderlands 2 and pre-sequel. So that does include all the DLC for each of those games, except for one exception. There was a DLC pack that was released for Borderlands 2 prior to the release of Borderlands 3 that is not included in the Switch version. Hmm. Yeah. It's the, it was the story DLC oh, was that it the acted bridge as one? bridge between the stories. Oh, the, the Lilith one? The, Lilith the Commander one? Lilith one. That's not included here. Okay. But everything else, you get everything else. And honestly... I'm thinking about it because Borderlands on a Switch seems like a really good place to have Borderlands. And I know that I bought those games so many times already, but man. Because I know that we bought the the collection, the Handsome Collection, and it would also get to us on PS Plus as the Handsome Collection. Yeah, so I'm like, hmm. I don't know, I'm thinking about it. It depends on the price. They, I don't see a price on the Switch store for this thing yet. It comes out on Friday. So we'll see. If it's reasonably priced, I mean, you're getting a lot of, lot for it, but if it's reasonably priced, I might pick it up with you. We can pull off some Switch Borderlands. <laughs> just start from the top. Start from Borderlands 1. Just go. We get Christy in it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. No, I don't know. She, I can't get her on first, per, first person stuff quite yet. She's not quite there. All right. She, she tried Gone Home and couldn't figure out the control. <laughs> But it's just point and click. Borderlands, she's not ready for Borderlands. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, uh, we also have Xenoblade Chronicles colon definitive edition for the Switch. I saw this uh, announcement. I was like, ooh, that seems tempting. People uh, call that game the game you buy and then never finish. Over right. Again. But you know me. This is the, like the second time they've re-released it. <laughs> Uh, we also have Shantae and the Seven Sirens for the PlayStation one. X. What? You missed one. You missed X- XCOM. Oh, uh, XCOM? Uh, the XCOM collection for the Switch? Yes. Oh, see, I figured that was already on the Switch because it's no, XCOM. <laughs> but yes, Shantae is new this week. Yes, Shantae and the Seven Sirens for the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. 
Uh, we also have Those Who Remain for the PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. And lastly, Valorant for the PC. Yeah, Valorant has apparently been already open in beta form for Twitch people for like a, like a month now. But like this is now the final like actual retail release. It's it's like the it's the thing that's supposed to be like the next Counter Strike. Okay. Uh, uh, is this the Steam or the Apple? No. What? I mean, it's on Steam, I think. Okay. Oh, you asking if it's Steam or Epic Store? I don't. Yeah. Know. Okay. Well, it's on the PC. Yeah, exactly. It's one of them. All right, uh, video game news yes. as we head right into this. Uh, well, as we mentioned about festivals being canceled back in movies, other stuff, you know, is also up in the air. As despite earlier language suggesting BlizzCon 2020 may still go forward as planned, Blizzard has officially canceled the event. The announcement posted on the BlizzCon website says... Blizzard is looking at a couple of different alternatives for the event, as well as BlizzCon esports events. Sadly, Blizzard wrote that the virtual BlizzCon likely wouldn't take place until early next year because it's a technology company that can't get its act together. So, yeah, um, I think that part of this is they probably... They could have probably done some sort of virtual version of what they were going to do, but I'd imagine that the pipelines have changed a lot, just like they have for a lot of these video game companies. So this gives the, the, the teams on these games way more time to figure their shit out. I would imagine that them, like, all of a sudden working from home, because they have rigs working in an office environment, yep. and then all of a sudden you have to take your rig or hopefully have something home yeah. to work on. I saw a quote going around this week. I think actually I saw it today in kind of response or follow-up to Sony's Last of Us presentation that they did for Last of Us Part Two, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't have on here because there was no real news from it. Um, but the quote was that a decision that could be made in two minutes in the office now takes two hours remote. Hmm. So that's what they're dealing with. That's what these companies basically are facing. Right, because there's no way they can like get everybody online at the same time, yeah. FaceTime, Zoom, go to meeting, hang out, Facebook chat, anything <laughs> like yeah, that. It's, it's get, stuff probably gets way more complicated than they probably imagined it would. And so giving them to early next year to make major announcements is probably very, very smart, especially considering the last couple of BlizzCons. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they also need to make this one matter because this is this is the regaining of hearts and minds BlizzCon, so they couldn't have just half-assed it. Right. Also, you're working with like tons and tons of data that people aren't just gonna be able to stream someone from their home. Yeah. Like they need the actual infrastructure to send their their assets and everything into an office environment to stream it out to the world. Yeah, it will be interesting to see uh, what they do from here. Yep. Uh, I don't know. We know someone who's excited for BlizzCon, but I guess they're not going anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I know somebody who goes every year that suddenly is probably uh, the calendar just opened up. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Well, All let's right. get into our last story. Yep. Uh, let's do one take, or let's take two on that. Uh-huh. As Take-Two has revealed that 
it has, quote, strongest development pipeline in its history. Huge quotes around that one. Yeah. Uh, with plans to release new IPs and sequels to some of its biggest franchises. Biggest franchises. Uh, this comes from a Business Wire report from uh, the recent release of the publisher's fiscal year results, which also included news about how 2K has handled the aforementioned pandemic. In the report, management at Take-Two said about its upcoming state of games, quote, Take-Two has the strongest development pipeline in its history, including sequels from our biggest franchises, as well as exciting new IPs. While fiscal 2021 may be a light new release year, we expect to deliver strong results reflecting the diversity and strength of our catalog and live service offerings. <laughs> All right. What do you think are Take-Two's biggest franchises, if you had to guess? Because I have one in mind specific. The Borderlands? No. Uh, I'm talking bigger than that. Bigger than that. I'm not sure. What do they have? Rockstar is under their umbrella. Oh. You're not talking GTA 6, are you? This more or less made me think of GTA 6 first. Well, let's see. GTA 5 came out at the end of the PS3 era. Yeah. And basically lived on the PS4 after that. So you're thinking that GTA 6 comes out at the end of the PS4 area and lives on the PS5. I think it makes sense for them to do it that way because that's what they did last time. And also, mm-hmm. this uh, gives them a chance to completely rebuild the game to be a live platform, unlike the last time where they slapped on a live platform onto a narrative game. I bet GTA 6 is not a traditional GTA. I want to say it maybe has some sort of story mode, but I bet that story mode works within the framework of a GTA Online, and they go all in on GTA Online. Do you think GTA becomes EVE Online? Maybe not that crazy. Like, you're not going to hear, like, wacky stories of, like, embezzlement like you will with (laughs) EVE. But I think that you're going to see them take what they've already had, the success that they already have with GTA Online, and just blow it out. Make that the thing they focus on. I think that's what this means. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Um, other I, I, would, I would not be surprised because there have been rumblings of a new GTA game. Yeah. And with the recent release of, what is it, Unreal Engine 5 demo? Yeah. Don't be surprised if those two are linked somehow. Although they traditionally do not use outside engines. Rockstar right. has their own stuff. I think that they'll just do, they'll probably do a next gen version of the thing Red Dead 2 is running on because that was already really good tech. So mm-hmm. I think that's what you'll see. I think you'll see something built on that as a, as a base. All right. Well, either way, we're looking like we're gearing up to leave this generation behind. Yes. And jump headstrong into the next one. This is the time. If there is a time to do a GTA, this is the time to do it. Yep. Um, other than that, though, I mean, I can't really imagine what else they're talking about here. It's too soon for Borderlands. Um, maybe they're talking sports here. Like maybe they go heavy into NBA. 
Well, there is that rumor of the new NFL 2K games. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. But, hey, I mean... Interesting to think about. It's a lot to think about. Agreed. So we'll see what happens with that. But what will happen with us will happen next time. As that's it. We're done. it. No video games this week? One. There's a new game, Moodoo Mobile game, called... Let's see here. SpongeBob Krusty Cookout. Cookoff. It's a SpongeBob cooking game. Okay. Anyways. Tap, tap. (laughs) It's a tapper? No, it's not like a continuous tapper. It's a build, build, tap, timed thing. But to watch the numbers go up. Kind of. Okay. Um, I've been playing a game, but it didn't come out in 2020. Well, okay, technically it did. So Switch Online just added new games to the Super NES and NES stuff. Right. One of the new Super NES games is Panel Dupon, which the United States knows as Tetris Attack. Uh, oh, I saw you tweet this. Okay. So, I saw you tweet something about this. I was like, what are you talking brief, about? Real brief history lesson. Way back in 1995, Panel Dupon was released on the Super Famicom, the Japanese version of the Super NES. It's basically, it's the game that later became Pokemon Puzzle League. Or Puzzle League. For uh, Puzzle League World, I think, was the DS game. Anyways, it's a game, basically think of Tetris, then reverse it. Instead of coming from the top, blocks are growing from the bottom. Your cursor is two squares. And your two square cursor can swap two squares with each other. And that is how you match three. You can match more than three. In fact, it's encouraged because that creates combos. You get the idea. This is like a bubble pop. Kind of, but again. gem swap. Moving the cursor around and all you can do is swap two blocks left to right. Right, so it's like a... It's kind of bejeweled Bejeweled, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Except, imagine though, if there was a two-player version of bejeweled where the better combo that you got you dump more garbage blocks on your opponent, just like <laughs> multiplayer Tetris. Yes. And it turns into what, in, in my opinion, the best competitive puzzle game of all time. I think Tetris is the best single player, mm. but this game is incredibly addictive in multiplayer. Uh, we'll have to co two-player co-op that. Yeah. yeah. So it's never come out in its original form in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It was adapted into Tetris Attack with the Tetris license for the Super NES. It came to Game Boy also under that name. Then, like I said, the N64 got it in as Pokemon Puzzle League with a Pokemon first-generation weirdly orange islands coat of paint. Like, it has Tracy in it. It was released in 2000. Okay, uh, so that's of its time. also a gold and silver Gen 2-themed Pokemon Puzzle League for Game Boy Color, released around the same time. And then it came to DS, removed of all licensing, and just called Puzzle, yeah, Puzzle League. And, or, or Planet Puzzle League. That was the name of the DS one, which I bought because I loved it. And it was also um, released as like a DSI like single download thing. But yeah, so it's it's a weird ass Nintendo franchise that has existed 
in a strange way in the US. But this is the first time we're getting the original game in its original form. So the text is all in Japanese. You can't read a damn thing in this game. And there is surprisingly a lot of dialogue. <laughs> There's a story mode that involves all these little like magical girl characters. And I can't read a single bit of it. But I'm having so much fun with it. There's so many modes. There's like timed modes and puzzle modes and story modes uh, versus the computer mode that I unlocked, like I beat it on hard mode and unlocked very hard and got my ass kicked by very hard. But I'm pretty good at it. Like, as, like overall though, I can stand, I can stand up. But man, well, I know you're pretty good at Tetris in general. Yeah. Well, this is, this is, this is, this is my jam right here. So yeah, All right. it's a lot of fun. And when I'm back to being able to play games in person with people, I'm definitely going to throw down some matches of this in person. <laughs> okay. So yeah, it's very exciting. I recommend checking it out. All right, cool. And with that, I think that wraps us up then. Yep, it sure does. All right, so plug away as we end this podcast. Thank you for joining us for another Marooned edition of the Media Boat Podcast. You can catch us two ways. You can catch us talking at you with your faces on on YouTube in recorded form. Go to our YouTube channel. Just search Media Boat Podcast for that. You can find us in audio form the same way you always have via podcast catchers such as Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on social media on channels such as Twitter, where our handle is at MediaVoteCast. Facebook, where you can find our page by searching Podcast. You can find us on the Gmail. Email us questions and comments by searching, or no, you don't have to search for that one. Email us at MediaVotePodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and, and you can play, uh, find us playing some video games on twitch.tv slash MediaVote. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Um, so, uh, thank you for joining us. And we'll be back next week for another episode where we talk all about HBO Max. HBO Max and Lady Gaga Chromatica. Yeah, and who hell knows what else. Anything could happen in five minutes. All those news, good news stories coming out. Alrighty, so see you guys next time. All right, see you next week. Okay, bye. Goodbye.